It's great to be with you. I can absolutely assure you, Sean would be playing for us. I would be there uh, because that, that's my nature of my wife. So um, it's great that we're able to share this time. Yeah, I really appreciate your fellowship, your prayers, your love. Little God, wonderful. Hello, everybody down there. Good to welcome you here as well uh, in part of the service this morning. Uh, I, I knew that I would be here this morning. I don't know. I didn't quite know how it was going to work out. I'll say because I have a very specific word that comes for me for you, uh, or might be for some of you, might be for one of you. You know, it might even be for me. Who <laughs> knows? But anyway, whatever uh, I want to share with you, what the Lord has really put on my heart uh, specifically for today. But it flows in, as you know, from what I've shared with you before, that uh, over this period of time, the Lord has been speaking to me new things for me uh, concerning the power of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And I've shared different aspects of it uh, when I've been here the last couple of times. And the last time we looked at your kingdom come, the kingdom past, the kingdom we're living in now and the power of it, but also we talked about the kingdom that is yet to come. And our joy and our excitement, I've got to remember not to wonder, uh, of the fact that we, his people, staying faithful, will be raptured and be with him. Uh, and uh, we've got to do our absolute utmost. I don't know when it's going to be to see others come into the kingdom. That's a motivation for us to be evangelists. When, when uh, our brother, uh, where is it, can't see where is he opened this morning? Where's he got? Oh, there you are. I can see you over the back there. Um, you used up, well, I think it was from the message when you read, there was a phrase there, absolutely love this phrase. Uh, you said, I think twice, if I remember correctly, go ahead. You read it. I think it, uh, we used those words. Now, I'm old. And some of you may be old enough to remember um, the worship leader still around called Ron Cannoli. Who remembers? Oh, there's somebody. Somebody remembers Ron Cannoli. Wonderful, wonderful uh, black worship leader. And uh, I've got a number of his uh, tapes and I, I, I love, love his spirit and everything. But he, uh, there's a song that he taught me, I can't remember all the words now, which I absolutely love. And he stood at the front and he was a big man and he was like this. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, don't stop, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, don't stop. Everybody started to join in, the whole worship group that were there and the people in the congregation, and it burst into a song which is called Go Ahead. So I say, if you don't remember anything else from this service this morning, when you leave here and start to live this week, go ahead, don't stop. The time is short. Don't know how short, but go ahead. Go ahead. God's calling you to something. Are you breathing? Yeah. Just check it out. <laughs> is the person next to you breathing? Hallelujah. Right. You're here for a reason. I really do believe that. You know, I, I'm absolutely more and more as I get older. I believe in, and we're going to say something about this, and what I want to share this morning. But the integrity, the power, and the unchanging nature of God's Word must constantly capture our hearts and our minds. And the Bible is quite clear. God knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Right? He knew that moment of conception in your mother's womb. And he also saw every day of your life. Right? That's what the Bible says. So that, for me, is permission 
to live to the full. Because I can't go early and I can't go late. Your word of caution, you know, absolutely. Caution's not a problem. Wise, wisdom, absolutely. But go ahead. Don't be cautious. The time is short. Be bold for Jesus. Right? If I don't say anything else worthwhile, maybe that's what you need to do this morning. But um, I, I will take this phrase that has really been on my heart quite a bit just uh, recently. There's uh, another phrase in the Lord's Prayer. It does come after the phrase I had last time, but that's, in a sense, coincidental. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do we mean by that? When we pray that, what are you expecting to happen? What is it that you think in your life is going to be changed? What are you going to see? What are you going to understand if you pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Now I hope and trust that whenever you pray that, you are actually saying, your will be done in me, in others, in your ecclesia, in your world, what you have seen in heaven. Okay? It, 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 I believe it's all encompassing in that way. And I want to make uh, three main comments that the Lord has put on my uh, heart for this morning concerning His will. And one of the things that I will absolutely say to you uh, over the many years I've been in ministry is one of the questions I've been asked countless times by people is what is God's will? What is God's will in this situation? What is God's will in this situation? I had an interesting thought as I was driving here uh, this morning, right? And it was this. Some of you will know this. That uh, in 1985, to, no, 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 I can't go that far. 1979 to 1980, my wife and I and the four children we had at that moment lived in this mass. And I was the unofficial pastor here. Only unofficial. It was the Baptist minister that came to interview me when he was so shocked that uh, Audrey Deeker, who was a lovely Christian lady in the village here, some of you may remember her, ran the uh, village vegetable shop. Uh, her mother as well before her, Fascinating story we can tell you about Audrey. She said, Oh, we've got a lovely young man, this young man, in the lands. I think he could be our pastor. And they appointed him even before they asked me. Right? And then the moderator found out and he wasn't very happy. And he came, spoke to me in the kitchen here, in this very lands. He looked at me after the initial greetings. He leapt forward in his chair, looked at me straight in the face, and he said, Do you speak in tongues? I said, yes, I do. He said, that's all I need to know. Got up, didn't cry, just walked out. Happened <laughs> here. Next thing I knew, that he told the church here, you can't have that man as pastor. You don't know what he'll do. <laughs> and then, you know, this is, to me, this is so sad. This is nothing I want to share with you this morning. This is so sad because of the ignorance of people. Do you know what he said to the church meeting here in this room at the back there? He said, what would you do if he spoke in tongues to you? Well, stupid comment from a man of God. Bless him, I'm not criticizing him. I mean, he's, he can only know him what he knew. But how misunderstood 
these wonderful gifts are to the church at large. Now thank God we have moved on a little bit from that at this time. That's not what I want to tell you this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I had a knock on the door, on the old door that used to be here, not on the lovely porch you've got in there now. One day, and there was a young man there who I recognised from living in the village here, and he said, uh, um, I understand that you pray with people. So I said, well, yes, I do, right? He said, uh, 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 would you pray for me that I would know the will of God? I said, yes, of course, come in. So I said, what do you want the will of God? He said, well, I feel the Lord has told me that I've got to leave my wife and go and live with another woman so that she will become a Christian. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you what I said, but I did not pray that prayer. <laughs> now, why do I say that in introduction to this? Because there's so much confusion about our will and the passions within us and the form within us, the things that we want and desire, and it all gets very confused in our thinking. And if there's anybody confused about that this morning, I hope perhaps that the main three things I want to say to you will help you to be clear in that. Now, I'll be honest with you, all through our lives, and I mean, I've been a Christian now for decades, okay, there are still times when I say, Lord, what is your will? It's not that suddenly we have a, a way to always know what God wills. And there is a, sometimes a process, a waiting, you know, uh, that has to go on before it becomes clear to us. And even then, sometimes we know that with a little bit of right fear and trembling to test whether this is really what God wants. So I'm not saying this is a foolproof way of knowing God's will, but I do believe from conversations with people all through the years and still now that these three things are paramount in our understanding. Okay? Uh, there's a, a lovely uh, thing that I love in Psalm 29, and uh, this is not the core of what I want to say, but I just want to say this as an introduction for you. And the, and the psalmist says this, Give unto the Lord, I think some versions may say ascribe to the Lord, all you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Listen. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Siron like the young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple everyone says glory. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood, and the Lord sits as king forever. Hallelujah. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Now, I hope you got from that that the voice of the Lord is seen and heard in the world. There is no question. 
thinking in our hearts, and I know this is it's still my introduction, not my introduction to law, but please hear this. The voice of the Lord is there for us to hear. Now, I do read in Revelation, I do know that verse, there was silence in heaven. And sometimes there is a silence that we have to work with. <coughs> but don't let us ever forget, the Lord's plan and desire and will is that you will hear his voice. And I can't separate that from knowing his will. So, yeah, a process, a journey, probably in the way that you don't expect, but the voice of the Lord will be heard. You know, one of the things that is so, um, excuse me a minute, I've had a little bit of cold sleep, and I sleep that I should have a little bit more on me. One of the things that's so clear to me, that out of the mass confusion that is in our world, because mankind as a whole has turned away from God, we have to accept that. This, the time of lawlessness and rebellion is, a, is in our world, and many are turning away from God or not even knowing about one of the wonderful things I think about uh, Paul's writing to the church in Rome and in that first chapter is when he says, the God who made the world can be seen within the world. All creation talks and shouts and amplifies, there is a God. You know, and, and at the simplest, most level that we can accept, you know, is, does God speak? Yes. I look at a flower. God speaks. That you? I don't know if some of you are watching. I mean, I, I, as much as I obviously would say, Lord, please say David Abraham. But I have to say some of the programs are wonderful. And the photography blows my mind. And this one that is on now still, I think it's Life of Plants, I think it's called on Sunday evening, if you ever get to see it. How can a person see that and then not believe in God. And to me it's the exact opposite of what we read in Romans 1. All of creation reveals there is a God and that he is living and holding the world together. And I have a sense in my spirit, you know, and I may be speaking to myself here to a certain degree, but maybe to some of you. Although some of you are acknowledging that in your heads this morning, that we need to get yet more profoundly standing on that truth to take us into a world to live for him. We need to have more confidence that he is the unchanging God. I love that verse. I've probably quoted it here many times before. Psalm 119, verse 89. You know, you don't have to know the whole of Psalm 119, but that verse says this. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's unchangeable. But I've met so many Christians, some of them I would say are mature and have been uh, in church, certainly in the, seemingly in the faith for a long time. Uncertain still of God's word and God's truth. And what does that mean? It means that they're shaky in their daily living. They're hesitant 
to speak out for him. They're hesitant to make a stand for him in some ways. And my first point that I want to say to you this morning, I'm sort of moving into it, is this. That when we talk about your world, uh, in my notes I've got your world dash your world. His world is always in accordance with his word. That's why I could easily say to that young man who came to the door here, I'm sorry, but I can't pray that for you. Because the word of God says, if you are married to this woman, that you must stay with her. I will pray for you that your relationship will be mended. I will pray for you that new love will be birthed in your marriage. But I will not pray that you should leave her. My Bible says, please don't anybody feel offended by this. I understand life is complex. I do understand that. This is not something said in any unloving way. Please hear my heart on this. But the Bible still says, God hates divorce. Right? And I would say to you this, if God hates divorce, then it says to me that he is 100%, even 110% behind reconciliation in Hebrew. I've seen it. I was asked to meet with a couple in London some years ago who were on the verge of complete separation. They had two young boys and everything. And uh, they, they were part of a church down in London. And I was able to share some time with them and pray for them. Literally pray for them, Lord, rebirth in their hearts. Number one, a love for you. And secondly, a love for one another. Oh, gosh. That was, I would think, somewhere about the early 1990s. That's it. Mm-hmm. Very much it. Do not tell me that if we do not, if we go with the word of God and stand on that, however awful it seems to us at the time, however difficult and impossible it seems, that that will of God should be fulfilled. That when we bring God into it and choose, choose decision of the will, not feeling, will to cooperate with God, miracles pass. They can. They can. Your will, your word. Uh, let me read to you some verses which you'll know from Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 1 to 3. I love this. Um, it says this. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land full of milk and honey. And that part of Deuteronomy there, some of you will know this, is called the Shema. And it's at the heart of the Jewish religion. The statement that, number one, there is a God, and that he has a purpose and a plan for us to live by. Now, one of the things that we don't like to hear is, I mean, some of you, again, know this, but I'll say it, some of you may not realize it. You know, the, the Hebrew language 
and you particularly see this in the Psalms, but obviously right through the Old Testament, is a picturesque language. It, 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 the, the language paints pictures to help you understand. And that's a wonderful thing, because that's why to really get into the Word of God, you know, to really understand it, yes, we need the Holy Spirit, but sometimes you need to do a little bit more digging. And you find out that that word in the English actually means something absolutely amazing in, in the Hebrew language. The simple word here in that passage that I read there means in its original Jewish context to hear, to understand, and to obey. So, so, so when that was read out, to a Jewish congregation and people. They don't just say, oh, I'm going to hear this. To them, it meant, I'm going to hear this, I'm going to understand it, then I've got to obey it. Can you see what you yeah. And when you think of the casual hearing that goes on in our society today, and dare I say it, I mean, been there, done it, got the t-shirt, whatever you want to say, in our congregations as well, of people who sit and listen and hear, but are they really taken into a place of understanding, which then takes them into a place of obedience, which then says to them, literally, I'll go back to where I started, go ahead, go ahead, you got it. And I'm saddened that so many in many congregations, there are people who hear but do not take the next step to fully understand, let alone obey. And yet they will be the people who come and say to you, I don't know what God is doing. I don't know what God is saying. But you see, you have to hear, understand, and obey. Jesus said many times in the gospel, you will know this. And it's the same expression. We wouldn't expect anything less from Jesus because it was a Jew. He who has ears. Do you think he was just saying superficially? Do you think he was saying, well, I hope they just heard what I've said, you know, at least that they've, you know, they've got a little gone away and some they've heard a lovely story about a seller. I hope they just heard the story, you know, the parable. Have they just heard the superficial part of it? Yes, the evidence is some of them only did hear the superficial part of it. But within the Jewish culture, let me say it again to you because some of you need to understand this, they needed to hear, to understand, and to obey. And there's a huge What was Jesus saying? What was the writer of Moses of Deuteronomy saying? He's calling for people to take a careful movement, to make a careful decision to really heed what is being said and to understand it at the fullest level. It's another way, if you want to put it, uh, in, in modern parlance, as we might say, listen up and pay close attention. No, this is not for the casual. This is not for the casual. Here. And one of the first things I say to you is this. If you really have a heart to want to know 
what God's will is for you. And I'm saying this to you as well as I'm saying it to me, despite how many years you may have been on the Christian life. Your understanding of His will has to be seen through, understood through hearing His word and understanding and obeying it. You stop at any point along there, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. You're always repentant. But the God, thank God, certainly in my life, is the God of the second, third, fourth, seven times seven and infinity charts. Because I got it wrong too infinitely. I read this, let me finish that particular point of reading this year. I think this is, to me, I don't know who wrote it, the source is unknown, but I found it in a book which I really love. And it's all to do with how we view the Bible. And I don't know how you view the Bible. I hope you really do believe that it's, in, you know, I don't mind saying God's love letter to you. And that you need to understand that it's his power that is released through the word. You know, it, 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 it's unchangeable, as we've already said. And this unlike, unknown writer said this, I, I feel this is part of this statement. This book, the Bible, is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, comfort to cheer you, it is the traveller's map, the pilgrim's star, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good is its design, and the glory of God is its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts, and it will lead you to Calvary, to the empty tomb, to a resurrected life in Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. I wish I was as good with the words as but folks, if you just even heard the superficial thing of what that person is saying, it will change your attitude to his world. Everything pertaining to life, happiness, purpose, is in his world. I hope and pray. And I know many of you here, some better than I know others. I know many of you here treasure God's word and you're in a lovely relationship with the Lord. And I'm thrilled with that. But let me just assure you that even in this last year and the journey that I've been on in different ways, 
I have come to treasure God's word more than I have ever done before. Don't stand still. Don't trade with here. Go on a journey from understanding and away. And it will change your life. Second thing I want to say to you is this. Your will dash is your way. In other words, there's no alternative. It's not there is many wills of God, there is one way. And the way that God has revealed it to us, and you will know that this is coming, is by the very fact that all that I have just said in that first point is totally, totally contained in one life. Who came to live among us, full of grace and truth. And that's why within the study of God's word, Genesis through to Revelation, all of it needs to be studied. But we need to have a particular emphasis, not to the exception of other things, on the life of Jesus. I have said this, I'm sure Martin and Pam might have heard me say this thousand times when they uh, retired road all those years ago. Never stop reading the Gospels. Yet, read the Old Testament, study it, hear it, understand it well. Hear all the New Testament, but constantly read the Gospels, because there we see the embodiment of God, His way on earth. Now, I'll be honest with you. Jesus, yep, started off okay, but then he did become the most popular person around. So I'm not saying read the Gospels and you'll have thousands of friends. I'm more likely to say read the Gospels, you might lose a friend. But you might need others to return life. Your will is your way totally personified in the life of Jesus. John 5, 19 says this. Then Jesus answered and said to them, those who are questioning More, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. You want to know the way of God? You want to know the will of God and how to live it out in a crazy world in which we live? You look at Jesus. And then you understand that what Jesus did, and as you understand what he did, you see the heart of the Father lived through a human life. A divine life, but a human life. And so we can make these sort of statements that Jesus in no way lived independent of his Father. He understood that because the Father and He were one, He only did what the Father showed Him to do. Question. Who are you one with? Who was it that Jesus was talking to when He said, If you love me, you will obey my commandments and arm, and my Father will come and dwell. It's a wonderful picture. Now I'm not going to go down this road, I'm just going to make this statement. That's one of the things I have used many times with Christians who come to me and where their marriages are going through very difficult um, circumstances and I don't in any way 
And we would hide the fact that there, you know, there are tough things in marriages these days, even more so than the, in the world in which we live, particularly when divorce and all these things are so much easier and everything like that. But you see, we forget. And I think sometimes in the church we've been embarrassed to talk about it. But when you come to sexual union with your husband or your wife, you are in one in a way that is a mystery. And the Bible says it is a mystery. When you are one in sexual union, it's a glimpse, a picture. It's not even the fullness of it, friends, of that oneness that you will have with Christ and already begin to have with him because he dwells in you. That's why Paul wrote, you know, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for them. When we understand something of what we recognize in Jesus, we understand that there is a power in looking at his life, but there is also a purpose in it. And that purpose is that we should become more like him because knowing the will of God in any area of our life will always represent what Jesus would do. Why would that be? Because Jesus wouldn't do anything that wasn't in accordance with the Father because they are one. Because they are one. Put any area of life into that equation. Your family life, your relationship with people, your finances, how you deal with things that are around you, how you spend your time, what you look at on the telly, what you read. No, God, none of these things in themselves are wrong. But if they overstep where God wants them to be in accordance with what Jesus would you say so many times, isn't it? You know, if Jesus suddenly arrived at your home, what thing would you suddenly turn off the television? What DVDs would you get rid of? What books would you hide so we don't see? What bits in your diary here would you think, oh God, you don't look at? Here's what I'm saying. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, your will is become all As it is in you declare that you want to live through your life and it's washed of heaven. What is heaven? It's where the total will of God is done in absolute immediate obedience. We just say in that, closing that point a little bit, we just say two things as illustrations as much as anything else, things that you know so I won't go through the detail of it. But there are so many instances in the life of Jesus that show us a different way to what we were doing. Number one, a stream you may think. What about John 8 in the first 11 verses? Woman caught in the dust. The religious people. Oh, she needs to be stoned. We need to dismember her from the church. You know, she certainly can't have to do yeah, you put it in the context of where it would be. And then we don't know, we never will know, perhaps when we're in heaven, I don't even know, we'll know that what did Jesus write on the side? You read all sorts of speculations about it as much as I Some think it was the sins of those Pharisees, which is why the elders went away first. There's really more of them. <laughs> but live longer, don't walk. We don't know. 
Where are those that would accuse you? All right. Not at all. The old body will sin no more. We'll never just go away and accept what you did. It's always here. Understand. Now I'm talking to myself as well. I'm talking to you. Where are we when we are dealing with people who are in that same place where they have messed up, messed the marriage, messed relationships, messed finances, <coughs> criminals? One of the reasons why I, I mean, you may disagree with me. That's why I hate, I've got an increased passion, I hate it with this. I'm a great believer in knowing and being informed of the news so I can pray specifically. But I hate what I'm seeing on time of the aggressive, personal, horrible attacks that one has on another. I'm not separating the parties. Okay? I hate it. But I understand it because they're living in the world. And what I'm saying to you is, if you are moved into a situation where things are tough and difficult and people are doing not doing the things that you can, let me ask you a question. Do you replicate the life of Jesus or do you just take on the measure of the world? You can take up on the left There's another lovely story I remember the time. A lovely story in Luke 7, 36 to 50, where Jesus goes into the house of Simon the Pharisee for dinner. And the woman from the streets is a prostitute. Another prostitute comes in and washes Jesus' feet with her tears. And it's almost like Jesus is totally unaffected by it. But of course, Simon was very upset, looking down his nose. Jesus is a little prophet, doesn't even know who this woman is. And Jesus tells the rough story, you know, about the guy. It was not much. This person used to give him five pounds or ten pounds or five hundred pounds. And he's adding the paraphrase. Well, I guess the person would be, yeah, the debt of five hundred pounds or not the most. Then he says it doesn't. It's almost comical, isn't it? You've seen this woman. <laughs> I mean, Jesus knows what's going on in his head. And he then says to this woman, those who love much, those who give forgiven much, who love much. Oh, the church, the world, more than us, we find ways to demonstrate more and more. You know, today, I'm, I, I, I'm a great believer in monarchy, I don't feel I'll call you every day, and today is the beginning of this special year, I believe we have to honour her as an amazing woman, amazing woman of faith. This story I remember as I was prepared. Once during Queen Victoria's reign, she heard that the wife of a common labourer had lost her baby. Having experienced deep sorrow herself, she felt moved to express her sympathy. So she called on the bereaved woman that day and spent some time with her. After she left, the neighbors asked what the queen had said. Nothing, replied the grieved mother. She simply put her hands on mine 
Luke 22, 61 and 62 says this, And the Lord turned and looked at him. See, there's no words there. But the sense of the Lord seeing into his heart. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he said before the rooster crow should be on the feet. So Peter went out and wept what can be in a look? What can be in a sense in your heart and in the world? It can be a conviction that is the will of God that will turn your mind See, that, that's how God works. But we have to put ourselves in that position to be there. Jesus' look of compassion pierced Peter's heart. I also love. You know, just a little bit further on, you see, Peter responded. Jesus goes to the cross. He's put in the tomb. God raises him from the dead. And then we read in Luke 24, verse 34, The Lord is risen indeed. As appeared to Simon. We don't know anything more about that. The Bible is silent concerning when that was and what happened. What we know about what happened in John 21 at the Sea of Galilee when they were fishing and Jesus did the breakfast and that conversation. This happens before now. But at some point, right early on on that resurrection day, because of all that Peter had been through, the Bible records, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared. That's how much he wants you to hear the whisper of his voice and of his acceptance. So I appeal to you within the context of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Set yourself the time to listen to his voice. Be it confident in his word. Be it thrilled with the example of Jesus' life and how he reveals the heart of God. Put aside the things that are complicated. The world will shout all sorts of things. I love Psalm 131. I'll put it down here. The message version. I love the message too sometimes. And it says this. Psalm 131, one of the shortest psalms, but so powerful. God, I'm not trying to rule the roots. God, I don't want to be the king of the mountain. I haven't meddled where I have no business. Or fantasized grandiose plans. Kept my feet on the ground. I've cultivated, one word, cultivated a quiet heart, like a baby content in his mother's arms. My soul is a baby content. That's what God wants us to go before him all the time. Let me finish with this. Slightly amusing, but I'm next to point. Good listening to the voice of God is like tuning in, said somebody wrote, this is not my words, but I read it. You know, tuning in to a radio station. For good results, you can listen to only one station at a time. This won't be true for anyone here, I'm sure. Trying to listen to my wife 
while looking over an office report is like trying to receive two radio stations at the same time. I end up with distortion and frustration. Listening requires a choice of where I place my attention. To tune into my partner, I must first choose to put away all that will divide my attention. That might be laying down a newspaper, moving away from the dishes in the sink, putting down the book and reading, setting aside my agenda. When you want to know God's world? And on his will. Study the number of of Jesus. Give him undistracted time. You might listen to his words. Then the will, which is already in heaven, will work through. will come to you. And you will be able to live it out in a desperate reason. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. We thank you for your presence to us. We thank you, Lord, that you love us. We thank you, Lord, that your love is beyond anything that we can even imagine in an earthly sense. And we thank you, Lord, for your desire that we should know your will, live your will, and know your heart is beyond anything that we can imagine. Lord, I ask that something from what we've shared together this morning would really be embedded on our hearts. That we will leave this building changed, challenged, transformed. We want to hear you and know you and love you, said Lord, to understand you and to obey you in a way that we've never done before. Increasingly, we want to see your kingdom here on earth live out through your kingdom. You've got no alternative, Lord. There's no fact. It's through your pleasing that your love, your presence, will be seen. Here on. Here on. Turn our hearts in the new life. Soften our hearts. It's a sense in my spirit that some of you here, I don't know how many. You've got to make a decision, perhaps even second, third, or fourth time, I don't know. Just to discern that you're not going to live your Christian life, your relationship with the Lord, based on your feelings, but based on the truth. And to understand that your feelings may follow along eventually, or they may not. But truth is more important. Too many of them make decisions because of our feelings, but we have to base it on the truth. And that's contained in this world. We'll be able to do that as a difficult thing, and if you want to listen to something, think about it. I will God that you can help us to work that truth, that the light of Jesus within us shine so much brighter than it is. There is that shine in the dark. We are so in Jesus' name. Amen.